Welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on a best-selling author and a consultant to a ton of top businesses and professional sports teams. He's done it with the Rams. He's done it with the Miami Heat. We actually had a great story about him working with the Tampa Bay Lightning a few years ago before winning their Stanley Cups. But John Gordon, we have on the podcast. And what an unbelievable episode this was. Uh, John hails from Long Island, New York. He was actually a Cornell lacrosse player. And uh, obviously now he's one of the top people in the world. And he's the, the man who is the power of positivity. He's written books like The Energy Bus, The No Complaining Rule. And one of the books that we're going to talk about here on this podcast is called Hard Hat, 21 Ways to Be a Great Teammate. And this book is really special and near and dear to me uh, because it's written about somebody named George Boyardi, who was just an absolutely unbelievable human being. And his story is one that needs to be shared as far and wide as, as we can make it. And so George was the Cornell lacrosse captain in 2004, the year before I got to Cornell and George in a game at the beginning of the year, he blocked a shot with his chest and, and passed away right there on the field. And um, John, felt compelled to, to write this book about George, the type of person he was and, and the resiliency that was shown by his family, the coaching staff and the Cornell lacrosse team of 2004 uh, to, to play in honor of George for the rest of the year. And uh, we had our team at Cornell uh, a couple different years, read this book during the summer, and then they would come to campus and we would talk about it. It's such an inspiring, inspiring story. Um, that we're going to get to in, in just a second here with John. But before we do get to John, let's bring on the talent of the podcast. Jeffrey Lavecchio, Vex, what's up today, man? Just buzzing, man. This was an this was a unbelievable uh, shorter podcast than usual, but extremely impactful and so cool to uh, hear it right from the horse's mouth. This guy who's constantly putting out positivity into the world and um, all this good literature to help us all be better people, better leaders, better workers, everything. Pretty cool being on this one. Yeah, it's so inspiring. And so we're going to do things a little bit differently today. Uh, so what we're going to do is I'm going to give a little bit of a background of, of George Boyardi, a little bit of a background we just gave of, of John Gordon. Uh, we're going to get right to John. And then Jeff and I are going to talk about our thoughts on the podcast and, and our thoughts on the story. Very interesting because it's very fresh for me. Uh, I was at Cornell, like I said, the fall after George passed. And, and when I got there, um, it was still very real, his his death and the impact that it had on the Cornell community. And, and the hockey team and lacrosse team at Cornell are, are pretty tight. We're very tight and we do a lot of different things together. And so it was something that obviously didn't affect just the lacrosse team, but but our team and, and the guys that knew George and things like that. Um, so, so George, who he was, he grew up in Washington, D.C. He was the Cornell captain. Um, and on March 17th, it, it's actually incredible, the, the story, uh, um, the game was actually supposed to happen the day prior, and it snowed. And so the game had to be moved to, to the next day. I think it was supposed to be on a Tuesday, and it got moved to a Wednesday. Um, and during the game, uh, he blocked a shot in his chest, uh, went down, and, and died right there on the field. 
And so this, this book, the hard hat is all about that grieving process and, and the inspiring story of what happened that year and, and in years um, after that uh, from, you know, George's passing away. And, and again, like I said, extremely, extremely inspiring. The legacy of George lives on so much. Uh, he has the Mario St. George Boyardi Foundation, uh, which is a charity organization that gives back to um, uh, George was very big advocate of teach for America. It's where he was going to go. Once he uh, was done playing lacrosse at Cornell, he's going to go to uh, a reserve in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, and go do teach for America for people who don't know what teach for America is. It's basically um, these people who graduate from college from some of these top universities, they go and they embed themselves for a couple of years in an impoverished area or an area that that needs, you know, some some people to come in and help with the education they go and they teach, they get paid the same amount of money as all the teachers, you know, that are there. So which, as we know, is probably not very much. So money raised from the Mario St. George Boyardee Foundation goes to Teach for America, also goes to different reading initiatives. George was very active at Cornell in the Ithaca community going to read to schools. It was something that was very important to him. Um, and so, yeah, his legacy lives on and, and we're very, very excited to be able to, um, you know, continue to make that legacy go and, and try to inform as many people as we can about the inspiring story of George Boyardi. So uh, we're going to get right to John Gordon here. This was such an unbelievable episode. John is at the peak. He's somebody that you and I both want to be, <laughs> you know, he just makes the world a better place for individuals, for teams, for organizations, for companies. And, and uh, that's something that we try to do every day with this podcast and with what we're doing in, in our worlds right now. So um, without further ado, let's get it on right now to John Gordon, and then we will talk about it afterwards. Here we go. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He is a man that lives and breathes the power of positivity, and he also vex is a good Cornell alum as well. So we love having Cornell people on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, so yeah. John Gordon, John, how are you doing today? <laughs> Go Big Red. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you guys. But, you know, I went to Cornell. I love Cornell, but I'm not only about Cornell, right? You, when you work with a lot of organizations and teams, you start to embrace them, love them. Like Maryland in the lacrosse national championship, John Tillman was a teammate of mine, yep. head coach of, of Maryland. So, I was rooting for Cornell, but if Maryland won, I wasn't unhappy. I was happy for Tills. <laughs> I respect, I respect the pride. I respect the pride. Just to get a lot of Cornell talk on this podcast. So it is <laughs> special place, my man, special place. And it's a lot of what this podcast is going to be about right here. Just a really special story about Cornell and Cornell lacrosse specifically. Um, and, and I just want to get right into it, um, you know, and, and kind of tying in your story with George Boyardi's story, you know, John, I think, you know, Jeff and I have a lot of respect for people who have worked their way to the top. And, and we know as, as much as anybody that to get there, it, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to get to the top. And one of the things that we talk about a lot in, in our podcast is resiliency and your story is a story of resiliency. Now you're working with all of these companies and you work with the Rams and other sports teams last year, that just won the Super Bowl, and, and you have all this great stuff going on, but it didn't come with a lot of trials and tribulations and failures and successes and things like that. And this story of, of George Boyardi and, and the 2004 lacrosse team is one that's that's riddled with resiliency as well. So, um, you know, from your own experience and, and then just kind of tying that in with with the story of George Boyardi, what really compelled you to, to want to tell this story? You know, having played at Cornell, obviously, I was really passionate about 
Cornell lacrosse, the impact it had on my life. Like I wouldn't be who I am today without that experience of going to Cornell. Richie Moran, the head coach who, who just passed away, 85 years old, was my coach. He believed in me. He brought me there and gave me an opportunity that, that no one else gave. I was going to go play football at other schools, but not lacrosse. And then the experience, the friendships, what I learned, how I grew, it just became a part of me. And then speaking at the 21 dinner one year for George's foundation, the Mario St. George Boyardi Foundation, and meeting a lot of his teammates, meeting his family, I was just drawn to the story and to him. And I knew I needed to tell the story. I knew I needed to, to share the lessons that people learned from him, the lessons he gave through his life, and ultimately the impact that this selfless leader, the guy who just literally sacrificed his life, jumping in front of a shot, getting hit in the chest with a ball and dying on the field, and then having his teammates years later to this day, they've named their kids George. They want to be great teammates like him. They want to be great leaders like him. They're always asking, would George be proud of me? Am I living a life that would honor him? They're in their 30s and they're living that way. He had that kind of impact. He left that kind of legacy. There was something truly, truly unique and special about him. And I just knew this story I needed to tell. It was like this, like, I don't know, his, his name was Mario St. George Briardi. And I keep on getting these like, you got to write this book, got to write this book, got to write this book. It's almost like, I feel like when I, when I die, I go to heaven, I'm going to see George. He's going to say, thanks for listening to me because this <laughs> book was meant to be out there. Absolutely. And, and I know firsthand, you know, I, I got to Cornell, as we talked about before we got on here, the, the fall after he passed away. And, and I felt like I knew George. It, it was amazing just through the stories that the people would tell on the lacrosse team and things like that. And, you know, one of my really good friends um, at, at Cornell was Mitch Belisle, who we talked mm -hmm. about. And Mitch, actually, him and his sister uh, introduced my wife and I <laughs> at Cornell, interestingly enough. Um, and, and I talked to him this morning and you, you talk about George, the ultimate teammate. And, and I think that's one of the, the, obviously the book is called the hard hat, 21 ways to, to be a great teammate. And, um, one of the things that he did when he got to Cornell, you know, he was a big recruit that came there, um, and, an all-star defender. And when he got to Cornell, he was asked to switch positions and switch sticks from a long stick to a short stick. And you would just see uh, George uh, after practice every day, just working on his game, working on his game, working on his game and actually talking to Mitch today. It actually became a tradition almost where other people would switch positions at Cornell and then go on to be all Americans and, and national team players. And Mitch was one of those guys. And he listed like, I don't know, six or seven other people. Um, so, you know, 21 ways to be a great teammate, sacrificing a little bit of me for the we, um, playing different roles that might not be your, um, you know, your strength to, to benefit the betterment of the team. You know, was that something that you really took out of a lot of the interviews that you did about George? You know, you talked to so many different people. Um, you know, what was, what was kind of your takeaway with that? And Mitch was definitely someone I talked to and really enjoyed talking to him and writing the book. I, I talked to his teammates. I talked to coaching staff, Jeff Tambroni, Ben DeLuca, learned so much about the character and who he was and how he led and the kind of selflessness that he had. And when he was asked to switch sticks, he switched. And then he worked, as you said, and practiced to get better. He had that kind of selfless work ethic. And that would come to define a Cornell lacrosse player in the future, like being selfless, being loyal, being hardworking, doing for we, not me, like focusing on the team first. And they took on that characteristic. And that's why they become a powerhouse program 
ever since George, because he was that kind of teammate. It was so cool, though, doing all these interviews about him, because what you learn is that he was so humble. Like I talk about him maybe telling me to, you know, that this book needs to be written, but he wouldn't really want a book written about him. It wasn't about him. I believe he would want these messages to get out there. He would want to impact lives because that's what he was all about. But he really didn't want the limelight. He didn't want the press. He didn't care about having his name and the highlights. He really just wanted to do great work. It was called Boyardi stats, right? Boyardi stats where ground balls and hustle points and hits and all the intangibles that make a great team and a win he had those tangibles and you saw and they Cornell, still keep those stats today. And you saw Cornell on display against Maryland, right? Nine to seven. Maryland is a much more talented team. Everyone could acknowledge that. And they go toe to toe with Maryland because of their hustle, their grit, their drive. I mean, Connor Busek, the head coach, he embodies George's characteristics. Yeah. And now he's sharing with the team and it just goes on and on, right? These lessons, these characteristics. I had that kind of grit as a player. I was a blue collar, tough kind of player, but I didn't have the selflessness. Like, look back, I still wanted to, to do great things for me. I wanted to stand out for me. I look back, would I have had the same kind of impact that George had if that happened to me? And the answer is no, I wasn't that kind of player. You know, it's interesting, Topher, that made me, in that writing that book made me a better person and a better leader. Like, I became more like George as an adult than I did as a college student. And I really came to define in many ways, like, serving others, being more selfless as a result of writing this book and learning about him. But as I interviewed all his friends, all the people, the same characteristics came shining through in all the stories. And one guy knew one story. Another guy knew a different story. Several knew the same stories. I was getting this picture in this composite of this young man. And I'm a person of faith, which is really interesting. I'm a person of faith. And it actually made me a bigger believer in Jesus. Because as you read the gospels, there's all these different stories. And yet, there is some overlap and there's this common theme about who Jesus was as a, as a person, the kind of impact he had. And that comes shining through in the gospels. Well, as I was doing this with George, it came shining through and I'm like, okay, that made the gospel so much more believable writing this book about George. Cause you wouldn't get the overlap. You wouldn't get the common themes and the shared stories if they weren't real in some capacity. And these, these things are so important, I think. And this is one of the reasons Tof and I do this podcast together to teach kids, teach parents, teach coaches, the value of all these things that aren't like the quote unquote sexy things. Like it's not just scoring goals. It's not just, you know, how many points did you get? It's a, it's mainly all of the other things that are going to help all these young players playing sports develop into successful people, successful relationships, successful in business and life, whatever. How important are all these things that you've seen throughout all your books and especially this one where he had so many of these intangibles um, and how important are those to success later in life from all the things that you've seen and done? I'm so, I'm so glad you said that because Doc Rivers, when this book came out, said it was his favorite book that he's written that year. It was in the LA Times. Then a friend of mine was with Pete Carroll and it's sitting right on his desk and he's reading that book. All these different teams and leaders have read this book. Kids are reading this book saying, I want to be like George, which is great. Why? Because these are the keys to success in life. It is about we, not about me. And here's the thing. We live in a world that says it's about you. Get your points, get your playing time, get your stats. Parents, how many goals did you get today, right? Focusing on your success, focusing on what you accomplish. 
but this is what I know and what is true. When you improve, right, you do get better, but here's the greatest thing of all. When you help others improve, you get even better. When you help your team grow, you grow. The best self-growth strategy of all is to actually help others grow. So the more you help your team improve, you become a great teammate. You rise up as a team member, as a player. You can't do it alone. We all need a team to be successful. And in life, great leaders are always looking for great team members. That superstar, people may like working with you, but if you're egotistical, if you're not focused on the team, if you're negative, and even though if you have great numbers, you're not going to last. Like you really have to be a great team member to be successful in the long run. And I've had a lot of leaders recently of companies get rid of some of their star performers who are actually energy vampires. They were the, the number one producers, but they were energy vampires. They got rid of them. And so I know like guys like Coach Tillman at Maryland and Dabo Sweeney worked with Clemson the last 10 years. Sean McVay with the Rams, Miami Heat, Eric Spolstra, all these different leaders that I get to work with. Tampa Bay Lightning spoke to them a few years before their first national, uh, first their, their first NHL uh, Stanley Cup. And then they obviously won the last, you know, well, the last one. And they then might have another, another one. one this year. <laughs> yeah, that's another story I want to tell you right, right after this because it's a really cool hockey story. But, you know, these coaches are all about like, you better be a great team member or else I don't even want you on my team. So there are a lot of coaches who get it, a lot of leaders who get it. And I think that's what's coming to the surface more and more. Hard had his help with that. I wrote the power of a positive team that's helped that. And more and more coaches are buying into this philosophy and then sharing it. But we've got to overcome AAU basketball. We've got to overcome club lacrosse and hockey. I'm sure it's the same way. Oh, yeah. and we've got to overcome this mindset. Like when that coach is watching you play, he's not watching just how good you are. He's watching how well you see, right? How well, how well you see what's going on in front of you. How well you're passing to teammates. Are you making your team better, right? So the intangibles, the IQ, the team defense, how we play D is everything. I know basketball really well. I'm sure it's the same in hockey. I played floor hockey, never played ice hockey. So, <laughs> but I watch a lot. I watch a lot of it. And every time I watch hockey, by the way, I always say, I need to watch more hockey because it's like, it is the most exciting game you can watch, right? Especially live. Live oh. is so different than on TV. It's crazy. It, it is. It is fun. But like, yeah, I used to go to the Cornell games and uh, oh man, it's just awesome. Like just, just so fast paced. You see the way they move so fast and it's like, <laughs> but you know, again, as Gretzky said, he's not like looking where the puck is. He's going to where the puck's going, right? Where he knows it's going to be. Well, the great team members know where the team members are going to be. And they make sure that they get them, you know, they get them the, the puck and help them be better. Awesome. I love that. Well, I have another question about George that ties into that. But first, I got to know this, this Tampa Bay Lightning story. How did you enjoy working with them back in the day? I get called, you know, out of the blue and they reached out to me and I talked to the GM and then I talked to the coach, talked to the, you know, the head guy who runs the whole organization. And they asked if I would come speak during training camp. And this was after they lost in the first round of that year. And they were picked to win the Stanley cup. So they got mm -hmm. tight, I guess. And they were really bummed and frustrated. And I was really excited about going there. So I did some research on them and, and looked them up and yeah, they always picked to win and they always seemed to struggle and got tight. So the minute I arrived, they're talking about last year and they're being pessimistic and they're frustrated. And it was almost like, it was almost like a funeral. Like they were really down. I'm thinking we're in training camp for this year. This isn't last year. 
So I told him, guys, we got to move on. Take the lessons and move on. Let's create the future. Let's not live in the past. And then I gave them research. This is the key. Teams that feel like they're defending something don't do very well. But teams that feel like they're attacking a new opportunity do great. I said, guys, you feel like you're defending your status all the time. Stop defending. Attack a new opportunity every single game. Change their mindset completely. They weren't defending their status anymore. They were attacking new opportunities. They won the Stanley Cup that year. And I'm not the reason, obviously, but I know I shifted their perspective in that moment, which is the key. That's where you begin to have success. Then it's great coach, John Cooper, great leadership, great players, amazing players, right? But it all came together by them shifting their mindset. They had known that I worked with Tony you know, Bennett and Virginia and how Virginia had lost in that first round, win the championship the following year. They know I worked with Clemson when they had lost the national championship, came back and won it. So they knew I had worked with these teams and wanted to sort of have the diff- that kind of approach, a different approach than what they had. And that's what I gave them. And it was really cool to see. And then they won last year. And then obviously this year, it looks like they may have it. They may win another one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what a phenomenal culture they have too. I, I know two of their assistant coaches fairly well. Um, and first of all, great people, very different. Great people. And that's like great John people. Cooper has hired amazing like guy, diverse staff that they, they're, they're phenomenal. Um, I, I want to go back to um, George for a, a second, as it relates to what we were talking about being a, a great teammate. And then I wanted to ask you about coach T and, and George's mom and kind of what happened after uh, George passed away because that in and of itself was, I can't imagine how hard that was for everybody, but the the story told after that is one that's extremely, extremely inspiring. But um, one of the stories that you tell in the book is part of the reason why George chose Cornell. And that's because, and it's a little bit different now where recruits kind of stay in hotels and, and they try to, you know, <laughs> glam you up a little bit. But back when we were being recruited, you, you went out with the guys and then you stayed on their floor you know, in their dorm room or whatever. And, and, uh, and George on his recruiting trip to Cornell, the, the player that was hosting him said, no, 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 you take my bed, you sleep in the bed. I'm going to sleep on the floor. And that was like a big reason why he chose Cornell because it was exactly who he was. And it was a culture that he wanted to be a part of, which I I think is amazing. And and goes to, you know, what coach Tambroni was, was uh, all about and still is about, he's not there at Cornell anymore, but just a phenomenal leader. And so um, I just thought that was a really interesting story that that was told that everybody needs to read this book. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, but, but now I want to shift things to um, kind of the aftermath of, of George's death, because there was certainly a grieving process. It was so sudden, you know, like you said, he dives, like this guy literally gave his life for his teammates. He, he dives in front of, of a shot hits him right in the wrong spot in the chest and, and he dies right there on the field. It's just absolutely tragic. Um, and, and then they had to figure out what to do next. Cornell lacrosse, George's family, they had to figure out how to grieve. What were they going to do? Um, and, and coach Tambroni, I think is one of the best leaders that, that I know. I got to know him through my time there. Um, but, but the person who really kind of gave the, the program, the, I don't want to say permission, but the person who really allowed them to, to get back into it was George's mom. And yeah. she said, Hey, this is what George would want to do. George would want you guys to play and, and do what you love. And, and certainly that wasn't easy for, for anybody, but if you can um, just to kind of round some things out here, just talk a little bit about the aftermath of George's death um, and, and that magical season that they had in the wake of just the, the worst thing that had ever happened to every single one of them. Yeah, you can visualize this. And 
I was telling you guys, you know, my goal was to make this into a movie and not make a dime off the movie, but to just tell Georgia's story. And yeah. it would be an epic, epic movie that will just be incredible and change lives. And I'm talking to the family now and the parents to, to try to get permission to do that. And we had a great conversation the other day. They're just an amazing family, great people. And obviously still remember that experience and that day like it was yesterday. And there's always tears every time, every time we talk. But imagine the mom coming into the locker room the next day and they weren't at the game. It was one of the rare games they missed. So they weren't there. And they come in next day and the team is all in the locker room and they're all in tears and they're just crying. They lost their captain, their leader, their great friend and in shock and wondering, should they play? Should they carry on? They weren't going to play. They weren't going to play. But Jeff Tambroni, the staff, the team, they talked about it. Ultimately, they decided not to play to win for George, but let's play to honor him and the kind of teammate he was. And let's embody his characteristics and live with those principles and live that way and be the kind of teammate he was. That's the power of the book. That's what I wanted to capture in the book. And again, every dime from the book that I make goes to his foundation. And so they embody that. They would go on to make it to the quarterfinals that year. And they had all these incredible games. They beat Princeton, which George was going to go to Princeton. That's where he was going to go. Found some arrogance on his recruiting trip. Didn't want to be there. Felt more at home at Cornell and the humility of the people that he was with at Cornell. His dad actually went to Princeton. So he's torn, but he, he made his own way at Cornell. And that's a big part of the story. But think about his mom now walking in. They're all in the locker room and, and crying. And she walks around the room and puts her hand on each kid's, or I should say young man's head. And just, you know, just tells them George loves them, you know, and she loves them and that they're going to get through this. Man, talk about a powerful force. Talk about a woman of strength to be able to do that if you just lost your son. And now she saw her role as helping these kids grieve. She's like, they needed a strong mom in that moment. And I had to be their mom in that moment and be there for them. That to me defines everything. And I see that as a movie scene like no other and just oh. so powerful that obviously going to bring tears and cry, you know, weeping is going to happen, but you're going to feel the emotion of that connection. And this team would then go on to play. And so the idea for this movie is to, to capture the scenes and the games and the season that they had as a result of embodying George and the spirit of a team. And Cornell has gone on to become a powerhouse program ever since. Jeff Tambroni couldn't have written the book without him. So much insight, so much, so many lessons he taught me about George and this was his player and he was there and he experienced it. And what he went through, I can't imagine. Ben DeLuca, what he went through, I can't imagine. But one of the greatest, both of them, incredible, incredible leaders and just love him so much. But without them, this team wouldn't have been able to navigate it as well. Their strength and their leadership was able to help this team through that time. So incredible story. It's why the book's called The Heart of a Leader and The Spirit of a Team. And then there's 21 ways to be a teammate. When I was thinking about writing this book, I knew I needed to make it not just a story, but useful, impactful. And that's why I did the 21 ways. Why walk in one day, it came to me. His number was 21. He had so many great lessons. Let's offer 21 ways so that his legacy will live on. And his family has said, you know, he wanted to be a teacher, which is part of the story. He was going to go work for Teach for America in the Pine Ridge Reservation in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And he 
didn't get a chance to do that. The day he had his interview with Teacher America, he was so excited. He had that great interview and he died that night. So he never got to teach, but now he's teaching in other ways. And I think, and I know that's why I was meant to, I was meant to, sh to share this book and write this story to teach all these kids how to be a great teammate through George's life and lessons. Absolutely. And his, his legacy lives on in, in so many different ways, obviously with uh, what you're doing. We're trying to do that right now with having you on the podcast and, and share his story. I told you beforehand, this is a book that we had our, our players at Cornell read uh, because it is such such an amazing and inspiring story, such an amazing, inspiring individual in, in George and, and, uh, and, and the support that he had with his teammates, his coaches, his family, the Cornell lacrosse community. And now it's spread so many different places and his legacy lives on the 21 run, the 21 dinner, the Mario St. George Boyardi foundation. Um, and here we are, uh, you know, 15, 20 years later, still talking about him. And thank you so much for, for sharing his story. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to, to tell our listeners about it. And uh, yeah, I will be the first person in line. If that thing gets made into a movie, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> it, thanks. Guys, I appreciate you sharing this message and also just George's story. It's really awesome to, to, to share his legacy and, and keep that going. That's what it's all about, right? Making a Absolutely. difference, making an impact that way. Thanks so much, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Thank you. Okay. And we are back. And Vex. Okay. So I was somebody that I didn't know, George. Um, he passed away before I got to Cornell. But as I talked about in the intro, I got there the fall after he passed away, and it was still very real. Um, still very real in the Cornell athletics community uh, for, for you as somebody who, um, you know, just learned about George's story through, through John, uh, what are your thoughts, man? I mean, I was, I don't want to, well, I guess I just listened to it. I say, I don't want to give anything away, but I, I was almost crying at the, uh, the story that he tells about, you know, um, George's mom going in there before the next game. I was imagining that and like, Jesus, like, I was tearing up, you know, and it looked like you were almost over there too. Like that is so powerful and so strong, the strength that she showed doing that and, and helping all of his teammates and his brothers and his friends. And, you know, I, I feel like in my own life, I try to strive to live in a way that, you know, whenever I die, like people will say like, Oh, you know, he taught me this or he taught me that. And like to hear, you know, John talk about all of the things that George left behind, all the lessons, the impact that he had, like, in such a young age. I mean, it's, it's so powerful. It's so impactful. And I don't know, it makes me want to live, you know, the right way every day. I don't know. What makes you want to live more and be more? <laughs> yeah, dude, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's so intense. It's so, I don't know, impactful is like the biggest, uh, the only word I can think of. Yeah. So the book that John wrote, as we've talked about, is called The Hard Hat, 21 Ways to Be a Great Teammate. And it is it like for me, it, it's interesting because I, I, I didn't live it, but I lived it afterwards. And there were there were times during the book reading it where I'm like sobbing my eyes out. You know, it's such a story of grief, but it's also such a story of perseverance and just good people. It, it, like you said, like George, I never knew him. I never met him, but he makes me want to be a better person you know, from, from learning about the things that, that he valued and what he did. And, um, it just, God, like, it's so nice to just be inspired 
You know, I, I think that we don't do that enough where we go and seek out inspiration that can help us to kind of be the best that we can be. And this book was certainly one of those for, for me. Um, and, and I, I would imagine this podcast that we just had with John is, is one that's for a lot of people that, that are going to listen to it. And so he just, he teaches us how to be a better teammate. He teaches us the value of hard work and perseverance and, and buying into the greater good of, of whatever group that you're in. And it's just a, a great story that has lived on. And we're very, very, very appreciative. And we feel very lucky to be able to continue to tell George's story because I do think that it changes lives. And I would recommend anybody, whether you're interested in lacrosse or not or whatever, if you just want to be a little bit inspired, you have to go get this book and read it. It's, it's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you cry. It's going to give you goosebumps. It's going to make you think. And at the end of the day, like that's, that's what we're all looking for. If we can do all of those things in a day, that's a pretty good day. Makes me want to get like a 21 tattoo. I don't even know this guy. <laughs> you know, like, like, it's just, you know, not, and I definitely need to read more. There's no doubt about that. So this is uh, this might be one of the books I'll purchase here and have it on my nightstand. Yeah. And for people like yourself who aren't the most efficient of readers, let's call it, or don't really to, enjoy to, it. To, to her. <laughs> um, so jo all of John's books, I've read a lot of them and, and this one in particular, but all of them, they're very like short, good. I don't want to say easy reads, but like you get through it real quick. It, like all, they're all about story and um you, you get they're not huge like long novels or anything like that they're short to the point they're, they're always going to make you think and, and so it is a book that i would recommend for anybody of any reading capacity if that's what you want to call it to, to go out and get it and a couple of things that i wanted to talk about after going through this podcast and reading the book and stuff so one of my really good friends when i was at cornell I actually spoke to him this morning his name is mitch belisle uh mitch and his sister renee actually introduced emma and i so my wife and i um, Mitch became a, a really good friend of mine when we were at Cornell together. His sister was actually, Renee was in M sorority. And so getting to know Mitch, I got to know Renee. Renee was like, Hey, I got this girl that I really want to, I want you to meet and, and hook you up with. And ipso facto, here we are three kids later. So thank you, Belial family. Um, but Mitch, uh, named his firstborn son, George, and he's not the only person through Cornell lacrosse that did that. There was quite a few actually of, of Cornell alum that once they got married and had kids named their son, George, whether it was the first name or the middle name, that's the kind of impact. And, and I got the chance to, to talk to Mitch today and, and ask him about George and, you know, what would you say to John? What maybe are some questions that you might have? And, and, and Mitch said something that was really, really interesting that you talk about all the time. Because I asked him, like, how well did you know George? Because Mitch was a, a freshman when George was a senior. So Mitch was a year ahead of me in school. And, and he was like, Tof, you know, like, I wasn't like best friends with him, but he was somebody that I wanted to be the best. He was the best in terms of he was a really good lacrosse player, but he was also an unbelievable captain and a teammate. And so he was like, I saw him and I was like, I'm going to try to emulate everything that this guy does. I want to be George Boyard. And even still to this day, he was like, I think to myself sometimes when I'm making hard decisions, what would George do? Like WWGD, right? Um, and so I, I wanted to ask you that because I know that's something that you value. It's something that you talk about on the podcast. Like if you want to be great, find somebody that's great at what you're doing and try to be like them and even maybe even try to compete with them you know, and it'll raise your level. So I just thought that was really interesting that, that uh, Mitch said that, and it's something that I know you value a lot and you teach kids all the time. 
it's massively important. I mean, if you want to do something or go somewhere where someone else has been like you, they have wisdom, wisdom comes from experience. And the more that you can soak in somebody's wisdom that has been or is where you want to be, it's just going to make you better. And maybe you won't have as many hurdles um, getting to where you want to go because they'll help you navigate them a little bit smoother, a little bit easier. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to hit any any snags or have any bad, you know, quote unquote, bad times or hard times or down times. But what I think is the most important is that for the people that have been there, they can help you through those hard times way better than if you're trying to do it alone. And that, you know, and that also goes for like psychologists, sports psychologists, all these people who have this wisdom to help, um, you know, just, just, it's massively important. And it's one of the reasons that I run the company, the way my company, the way I do. And I run the skates in the summer, the way that I do, I, I let my college and junior guys skate with the pro guys in the beginning of the summer, because the pro guys don't need to be ready for even longer than the younger guys. But I want them out there with those guys to watch their intentions, to watch the little details that they're doing that you don't learn until you're older, but if you can learn them younger, it's just going to give you more time to practice them, more time to focus on them. And as we all know, it's not these big, sexy things that make people successful. It's the little tiny, seemingly insignificant details to people on the outside done very well done over and over and over that winds up being the biggest indicator of success and long-term success. Yeah. And going along with that, that's one of the themes of the book and, and one of the biggest reasons why George Boyardi was so successful. So we talked about this and you, you heard about it when George got to Cornell, you know, he was a stud long stick defender. And for people that know lacrosse, you know, the long stick defenders in the back. And, and then there's obviously the people who play with the short sticks and they asked him to be a short stick. So he had to basically for, for what he was really, really good at, they asked him to play with a completely different stick. Um, and, and just to, so the team would be better. Right. And so John in the book talks about how players would be, you know, coming out after practice before practice and, and Ithaca for people that don't know Ithaca, New York in the winters, ain't a fun place to be. It's cold, it's snowy, and and you can just picture it. And and I know at Shulkoff Field where they play, there's that big red brick wall. And at all hours of the day, before practice, after practice, you saw George there throwing the lacrosse ball against the wall. Right-handed, left-handed, right-handed, left-handed, throwing it, throwing it, throwing it, all hours, all hours, all hours. And uh, it was just a, a lesson that John, when he went and interviewed all of his teammates and stuff, they would always see him working on his game, working on his game, working on his game. And it's such a valuable thing. You know, that 1% better every day, as cliche as it is, that's all you can get. And he was somebody that really lived it and embodied it and really changed the culture there at Cornell for the better by doing that. He was a freshman when they asked him. He wasn't a senior. He was a freshman, so he had to learn a completely new skill, a completely new uh, way of playing, playing a different position. And the, the crazy part about it and talking to Mitch earlier today, and, and we talked about this on the podcast, like that was a legacy that actually lived on. Mitch was also somebody that changed positions when, <laughs> when he got to Cornell and, and became an All-American. And, and there was a, a list of, I think it was like four or five more guys that he, that he uh, listed off that switched positions when they got to Cornell or at Cornell and then ended up being national team players or all Americans and, and helping Cornell be one of the top teams in the country, you know? So just the selflessness that that was shown uh, a part of the culture of Cornell lacrosse and it, you know, it helped the team. And then those players with their work ethic led by George Boyardi and his, his example, I mean, it, it led to great things individually for those people as well. I love it. 
I love it. There's nothing better. Kind of the th same thing happened at Western Michigan too. Like when I went there, we were our freshman class, like uh, I love all the guys, you know, who were there before us, but like, you know, Western hadn't had a winning season in a hot minute. And our freshman class was just kind of like, this is kind of unacceptable. Like you guys have been losing year after year, but you're still like partying too much. And you're still going like, you know, I don't know, 90%. Like, why don't we try going a hundred? Like, let's go all in. And uh, it really changed the culture of Western from that point on uh, my class. We had a big class. It was like 10, 11 guys. And at first we got chirped at first, you know, all oh, heroes, uh, you know, to hear this and that. And we literally had meetings in our dorm rooms because uh, all the freshmen, we lived in the same hallway and we'd have meetings like no matter what happens, like, like we're changing this shit. Like we're not going to be cool with four years of this. This will not happen. So whatever happens, like we're going to stick together and we're going to push everyone else to be more like us, even though we're the young guys. And it, it really changed things around for Western is pretty cool. Um, and that's, that's the power of like, real leadership of like people who are doing it not talking it actually doing it um and then you got to get people to follow and obviously george was really good at that absolutely and it's funny you talk about doing it because that's actually a huge motto and slogan that cornell lacrosse uses and this i don't know if it was started from george but george has a huge piece of it and you know they have wd and then the greater than sign WS on like all of their stuff, all of their gitch, their jerseys, their helmets, WD greater than WS. And it's well done is better than well said. That is like the Cornell lacrosse way. And George had a paperweight uh, that he used. And this, this story is actually in the book, but he had a paperweight that it said, well done is better than well said. And that's how he lived. That's how he lived. That's how the Cornell lacrosse has built their culture out of hey talk is cheap talk is cheap if you want to achieve something you got to get up you got to put the bootstraps on you got to put the hard hat on you know the hard hat is something that is a little bit i guess you can kind of say cliche mainstream now i feel like a lot of teams have kind of used that you know the hard hat you, you pass it around after every game or whatever and um you know but this this kind of started with cornell lacrosse and and when john wrote this book it became a big thing because the story is so incredibly inspiring but what you just said there that is the cornell lacrosse way and a lot of that started with george boyardi and that is well done is better than well said i love it and i've heard you say that many times on our podcast throughout the years but i didn't know that the backstory of it so that that's where it comes from that makes me want to say it even more and makes me love it even more. <laughs> That's where it comes from. Yeah, for sure. Um, a, a couple other things that I want to talk about that, that John spoke of that's in the book. One of them I, I really, really like, and that is Boyardi stats. Boyardi stats. Every year they keep Boyardi stats. And those are the little things that don't end up on the score sheet, but attributes to winning championships. You know, in lacrosse, it's ground. I, don't, I couldn't tell you exactly what they are, but I'm assuming ground balls and battles won and just things like that, that, you know, they take not a lot of talent. They just take will to do. And, and when George passed, like that's that's why he was captain. And that's why he was an unbelievable lacrosse player, because he did all the little things. He had all the intangibles, all the sacrifice plays. The guy literally gave his life to the game of lacrosse by blocking a shot at the end of the day. Um, and so 
you know, they, they still keep those stats. I know to this day, they're called Boyardi stats. John talks about them in the book. And, and I think it, it would be unbelievable. Like I, I try to keep stats like that. I don't call them Boyardi stats, but stats that like when watching videos, stick checks, battles, one, things like that, that really in hockey mean a lot to the difference in a game other than goals and assists and stuff. Um, but what were your thoughts on hearing that? I just think just the name Boyardi stats, it's just, it's pretty inspiring. It's extremely inspiring. Like that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. And, you know, hockey, when I was playing in the American league, like coaches were doing that, like, obviously there's goals, assist, you know, hits plus minus that, you know, everybody has on their stat sheet, but like coaches were taking way more. Like even Adam Oates talked about, uh, what did he call them? Pokeaways or he had his own name for like causing yeah, like, a turnover, yeah, causing a turnover. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what his, I called them uh, stick kills. That's what I did this year. Stick. Kills. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Ooh, I like that. Cause that like has like kind of like some anger behind it. So it's like, <laughs> I want to get a stick kill, you know, like it makes like, guys like Whoa, yeah, I got to kill. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I love it. And uh, what an honor to have like those stats named after you, not like, not like the sexy ones, the goals, like the sniper, like, like the stuff that like is not easy to do. Not that scoring's easy, but um, I love it. That's so cool. Absolutely. And, and so this story, George's story, the book hard hat, it's not just about George. It's about, um, you know, that season, because when he passed away, it was early in the season, one of the first few games that they had. And, um, you know, they, they had to grieve as a team and they had to figure out how to move on as a team. And that's kind of like the second part of the story and coach Tambroni, Jeff Tambroni was the coach at the time. And, uh, I, I think I'll have to fact check this, but, um, he, he was coaching at Penn state. He'd moved on to Penn state to coach there. I'm not sure where he's at now, but just a phenomenal, phenomenal leader. Uh, he was a guy like, so he was there all four years that I was there. And I, I distinctly remember one time I was doing some extra work down by the football field. And that's where the lacrosse team plays too. I was doing some sprints or something like that. And I just remember coach T like coming over and he's a guy that like has a presence, you know, like he's got a presence, just this confident, you know, coach, you know, and he just came over to me and he looked at me and I, I was a senior at the time and I was a captain. He just like, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> and it was like such an unbelievable compliment from coach T uh, just, just getting that compliment. And it was just kind of reiterated that like, okay, what you're doing is the right thing. And you have to be doing these things. Another coach that really doesn't know you that well. I knew him a little bit, but was like, yep, that's what you need to do, you know? And it was just that's really, so really cool. cool. But the way, it, the way that John writes the book in the book, he actually writes some of the story in the perspective of coach Tambroni, which is kind of a cool little spin to it. Um, but I can't dude, I cannot even imagine being a college coach, having that happen to somebody on my team and then having to figure out how to move forward and the, the, the resiliency that they showed as a group, they made the NCAA tournament that year um, in a year that just like, I mean, they had, they weren't even sure that they were going to play after that. Like there were some, some people that were like, we can't play this year. Like we just, we can't. Um, and it was actually George's mom. And John tells the story on the podcast, George's mom that came in and, and gave them the strength to do it and walked around the locker room and touched everybody on the shoulder and says, kind of like, this is what George would want you guys to do. Let's honor George. And, and so um, I'm getting goosebumps even a little bit right now talking about it. And just the, the leadership shown, I think that's another, like, if you're a coach, this is such a great educational book for you about how to lead a team through tough times. 
I mean, the way that Coach Tambroni and Coach DeLuca and everybody else that was there led this team through that, it's an absolute masterclass. Um, and they were just they were just fighting to keep it together too, right? I mean, they were grieving just like everybody else was grieving. And, you know, it's not just about learning from George and who he was, but also the phenomenal people that was in his support group and, and in his sphere that, you know, really did amazing things that year and beyond. And, and you see that even now his legacy is, is probably even stronger today than, than it was when he passed away. It's amazing. Yeah. I can't imagine uh, being a coach and losing a player like that and not even losing a player, but losing a player in a game. Cause that's gotta be way, 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 way harder because very traumatic. Very traumatic. I mean, when I was playing juniors, uh, you know, I was involved in something where one of our teammates died basically in my hands pretty much. I mean, he went to the hospital, but he's basically, you know, he had no chance when he got there. He died on my birthday a couple of days later. And like, that was hard. And I saw that stuff like every night and um, for like a year. And, it, you know, it was really tough. It was really tough. But to have it happen like in a game, like then every time you play the game, like you're thinking about that and you're yeah. seeing that like a lot, especially if you're on the field and you were one of the first guys up to him. Like that's very, very, very traumatic. That is something that those players who who were on the field with them and even all the people that were there, like that's something you're probably going to take with you for the rest of your life, at least in my experience. Um, so even, a, a, even more amazing that his mom did that for all of them to kind of not to say like, let it go, but like, I don't know, it, it would just be very powerful to be in that situation and, and have them come in. And, uh, you know, we had a similar situation with um, my old teammates, parents and family coming in and talking to us and stuff like that. But it's not easy. That's for sure. It is, it is very, very intense. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine, but yeah, like I said, it, it, they, they did it together, man. Like they did it together as, as a group, the family, the Cornell lacrosse family, the Cornell athletics family. Um, and, and like I said, like I got there the year it was, well, let's say it happened in, in the winter. So probably five, six months after it happened, uh, I came in as a freshman and it was very real. It was still very fresh. And, and like I said, I felt like I knew George Boyardi and I never met the guy just based on who he was and how people talked about him and stuff. And the crazy part, you won't remember this, but um, I, the people on the podcast might know, but like every year, the Levechkios, they throw a big Memorial Day party. And uh, back when we were in college, those were complete gong shows gong show. uh, of a good time. Um, but you won't remember this, but in 2007, uh, so the Cornell or not the Cornell, the NCAA lacrosse national championships, the final four always happens on the weekend of Memorial Day. And so um, in 2007, that was Mitch Belisle, who I talked about. That was his senior year. And that was the last class that ever played with George. And so it was important to them to, to have a year and, and honor George. And that year was the first time in 2007. So I was a junior. Mitch was a senior. Those guys, the last guys that played with George, it was the first time that Cornell had made the final four since 1988. So almost 20 years. Um, and, and George was the one that kind of, him among others, obviously that changed the culture to, to where they were. And, and since then Cornell has been a, a top program. Again, they made the national championship this year. They lost to Maryland in the national championship, but I still remember the game was an, just like an insane game, dude. Like I'm watching it in your living room 
probably had a few beers in me or a few Mai Tais because that was the drink of choice for our family. And um, I'm watching the game and I still remember Cornell went down huge, like early in the game. They went down hugely uh, and they were losing by, I don't even know how many goals. And in the third and the fourth quarter, like true to George Boyardi fashion, they came back. They came back. They came back. They were playing Duke. They came back. They came back and they actually tied the game. I, I'm going to get this wrong, but let's say it's a minute left in the game. They, they or maybe even 30 seconds left in the game. Next face off, Duke gets the ball, tie game. They go down and they score and win. And it was like the most heartbreaking. I'm like crying in your living room watching this because I know all the history of George and what these guys went through with the whole program. These were all really good buddies of mine. Like I said, Mitch and, and his sister introduced Em and I. Um, and so uh, you just felt, I remember crying in your living room, just watching that game and just the, the effect that it had on me. And I, I can guarantee you, everybody that's listening, like you will have that effect of being emotional and you will be moved by this book. It's such an amazing book. And not only is it going to move you inspirationally, but it's also called the 21 ways to be a great teammate. And it gives, it gives everybody that reads just like kind of like a roadmap of what it means to be a really good teammate that you can use in, in your own life as well. And so I can't recommend this book enough. You probably have no idea that that even happened eh? like me watching that game. I'm sure we probably talked about it back then, yeah. but I, you know, that was probably one of the two or three weekends a year. I actually tied one on and I probably was <laughs> drinking my ties as well. Oh yes. We, we all were the, the Scott Lavecchio uh, Memorial day bash. It's a little different now, back when we were in college, a little bit crazier. Now it's a little bit more tame now that everybody's got kids and everything. There was a lot of screaming and running around back then, but it was by like 21 year olds. Now it's by like <laughs> and a lot of nakedness. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's now it's by a lot younger and smaller humans in a different fashion. Who we are also naked running around in their diapers yeah. and everything, right? Yeah. Um, but hey, no, I, I can't recommend this book enough. It's called The Hard Hat 21 Ways to Be a Great Teammate by John Gordon. He's written other amazing books. He he works with all these really, really high level um you know, teams and, and businesses. And he does it in a way like his whole thing is the power of positivity, the power of positivity. And that's what you and I are all about too. And it's, it's the new wave of, of coaching. And again, the power of positivity, it doesn't mean it doesn't come with hard times and yet it's got to be kumbaya all the time, but how can you find a way in situations as a leader uh, or how can you find a way in different situations that are difficult to, to find a positive in something? And, and John's whole, I don't want to call it a vibe, <laughs> uh, but his whole vibe, his whole being, his whole, everything that he does in trying to impact the, the greater good of the world, let's call it the world. Um, it, it's all about positivity and, and I can't recommend it. We're so lucky. He's such a big deal, dude. Like for him to take some time out of his day to, to come on our podcast and, and share this story. Uh, I'm, I'm honored that, that he did that. And, and I can't wait. We're all about impact too. I can't wait to see the impact of what this podcast is going to do for, you know, the people that listen to us. Yeah. I mean, hopefully a bunch of you guys go out and buy that book, myself included and uh, get inspired, motivated and dedicated. Inspired, motivated and dedicated. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, uh, we really appreciate it. We got some people to thank for even having our podcast. Vex, I'm going to leave it to you right here. Gel sticks. Let's go. Gel sticks, G E L S T X.com for all your weighted training aid needs. Hockey sticks, golf clubs, lacrosse sticks, 
That's what they call those two. Weighted <laughs> allow you to work on your strength, your speed, your power of your shot. You can also use them in the gym. I use them in the gym with my guys as strengtheners. All right. You get a discount coupon code think tank one word at gel sticks g-e-l-s-t-x.com i'd also like to thank train heroic that is the unbelievable app where all of my training is housed from training division one teams right now to nine-year-olds working with my preteen athlete programs to the thousands of players all over the world using it my hip mobility is on there just want to say thank you to train heroic for partnering us with with us on this podcast also would like to thank Cured Nutrition, a CBD company I recently partnered with uh, a few months ago. Um, you can go to curednutrition.com, use the code GMBM, and you'll get a discount as well. Uh, it's not just for people like me who've had many, many concussions or traumatic brain injuries. There's tons of reasons, tons of science why CBD can help you level up your life in multiple different ways. And their website, their company is all about helping people understand the how, the why, the when, all of that stuff. So check out their website, curednutrition.com, discount code GMBM. There we go. There we go. And thank you to icehockeysystems.com, the best site for all your coaching education needs so many things on there to help you become a better coach and help you and your organization we have partnered with them to do an association platform where you can get this for every single one of your coaches and every single one of your parents within your organizations with the hockey think tank parent survival guide so go to icehockeysystems.com and check out the associations tab on there lastly really 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 want to thank all of our listeners, we love you guys. It's why we continue to push the envelope and we try to get on these amazing guests like John Gordon to, to come on and, and tell their stories or like this one, tell the story of somebody that's extremely, extremely inspiring. And, you know, we wouldn't do this without you guys. We got some new fun things coming for the podcast. We're really, really excited about and uh, did want to read a review here for somebody to get Jeffrey Lavecchio's free hip mobility through train heroic like before so this one is from yedin hockey y-e-d-o-n hockey and this was a review that came through with five stars says really good podcast for players and hockey dads and moms great job topher and jeff lavecchio so yedin i hopefully i'm saying that right yedin hockey thank you so much for reaching out um and and guys this is one like we we ask you guys to share our podcasts to to help us grow um, it's something that when you share it or you leave us these ratings and reviews, it, it just helps to legitimize our podcast. But for this one, like, um, I really want people to share this one because it is such an inspiring episode. We are really trying to continue to promote the legacy of George Boyardi. Um, John Gordon, one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the entire world, wrote a book about him. That's how special it is. And so we really hope that you guys were moved by this. We really hope you can, you know, share this episode with the people that you know, not to get them to like our podcast, um, but to, to really to, to continue to spread the, the, the good love about George Boyardi and continue to have his legacy live on. So if you can share this far and wide with your networks that you have, um, such an inspiring story. Thank you so much to John Gordon for coming on the podcast and, and talking about it. And uh, we hope you guys have a fantastic week. We love you. Jeff, you got anything to add before we let her rip? Daddy wasn't there. Peace. Thanks for listening. We love you all. <laughs> Follow me on the gram. Jeff Lecky, what's up? <laughs> <laughs>